Welcome, welcome, welcome. Folks, we're back. The Football Scoop podcast has been dormant for a few weeks while we've been doing a bunch of work. Uh, So we're early 2022. Actually, we're late January. Uh, I don't think we've recorded a pod in this year. So, gentlemen, saw you guys down in uh, San Antonio from the American Football Coach Association convention, which was fantastic. We've been working a lot. Now it's time to talk a little bit. So over the next few weeks, we've got all sorts of podcast uh, action coming out. A bunch of it with uh, John Bryce, Zach Barnett, college football experts. Uh, a bunch of it, we've got a bunch of college coaches lined up. Might even have some NFL guys uh, come on in February, March, April. So we're excited to bring you guys a bunch of new guests, a bunch of new topics. But uh, it seems like topic du jour is recapping some of the madness that has happened, transpired over the last two months. You know, we've had a very active college football uh, turnover year in terms of head coaching turnover the nfl is about to do the same thing you know, they have nine openings right now with sean payton making that announcement yesterday so it's a really really active year and today guys what i was hoping to do is hear some thoughts on and i, I know we could probably talk about a lot of staffs but i just want to ask you guys give me one staff each of you wants to talk about where this is just this is a huge move for that program it changes their program might change the conference, might change all of college football. Give me some thoughts. Zach Barnett, you want to kick us off? Yeah, I think uh, Lincoln Riley is uh, the obvious choice here. And I think, uh, you know, he really hits on a lot of things you said that I think this could be a paradigm shifter for USC, for the Pac-12, and for college football as a whole. Uh, you know, first of all, if you if you follow Lincoln, you follow his recruiting, he had clearly – uh, since a market uh, opportunity out in California created by the power vacuum of, of USC and UCLA being down so long. And he had guys, you know, Malachi Nelson, Rayleigh Brown, um, you know, handful of receivers, guys that he was going out there and mining uh, their talent like he was a gold rusher in 1849. And so uh, given the Oklahoma's move to the SEC, you know, Oklahoma's very strong program. They would have been uh, first in line behind Alabama and Georgia uh, in that power structure, but it would have been a dogfight uh, each and every week as it is in that league. Now, he thought, you know, I could go out to USC where I'm the big fish in the small pond and clean up. And, uh, you know, I if I run that conference, I'm in the playoff every single year or close to it. And then from then, it's a, a two, three, four, whatever uh, the new format ends up being, but he's putting himself in the mix every single year and with recruits, with a, uh, recruiting base that he's already cultivated, uh, to come out to Oklahoma. So of course those guys are going to join him at USC and, you know, we're already seeing the results of that. Uh, they're, they're recruiting extremely well in the transfer portal. I love his, uh, hires at the line of scrimmage, uh, bringing Sean new in from Michigan, Josh Henson, to coach the offensive line from AM. I mean, if you watch uh, Oklahoma in the when they reached the playoff, you know, I specifically thinking that 2018 game, I mean, his teams were just blown up at the line of scrimmage. They just couldn't compete with Alabama, couldn't compete with LSU in those spots. So, you know, I, I like his hires there. And then, you know, I think it, you know, in, in college football and recruiting, perception is reality. And I think he changed changed the perception of USC in an instant. By going there, he it was 
I don't, it was dormant. It was down under Clay Hilton. It was not sexy. And he made USC sexy again. And, you know, we, we've seen, you know, that, that conference, the PAC 12 hasn't reached the power, the college football playoffs since 2016. And I think this has been an education that really USC is the only program in that conference that, you know, can, can consistently peak, compete for the national title. And then the final piece of why I really love this hire so much is, you know, the story in the last few years has been Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, just sucking up all the talent, sucking up all the intention. And, you know, here we are, you know, about to change the entire sports playoff structure so that we can get some new blood in there. And I think really the only answer is you've got to distribute the talent. And I think if USC can get good, if Miami can get good, you know, suddenly then uh, those kids stay home and Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, they're not cherry picking the very best of California and the very, very best of Florida. And then so those programs quite possibly take a step back. Now, I, am I saying Lincoln Riley is going to single handedly topple Nick Saban's dynasty at Alabama? Absolutely not. But I think if he can get the next Bryce Young to stay home, then maybe Alabama is 90% of as good as they are right now. And if they're 90% of what they are, then college football gets a lot more fun. You know, what's interesting is often you'll see a huge move like that. And then there's a lot of ripple movement that comes down the line. Like maybe some would have thought that might've forced UCLA's hand to even make a a big move. They really didn't. Uh, There weren't a lot of ripples in the PAC 12 South. So the PAC 12 South kind of stood pat so we'll see what happens. So if Lincoln Riley really comes in there and brings in all sorts of talent and Lincoln just dominates, and dominates might be a strong word, but in year one, year two, if it's clear that USC path is going through the roof, uh, you're going to see a lot of change coming in the Pac-12 South a year, two years, three years from now. Yeah, I think, I, I, I think it's, uh, it's a very similar dynamic to when Urban Meyer took the Ohio state job. That conference was kind of operating under 20th century rules. And he uh, forced everyone to step their game up and invest or, and get left behind. And I think the, the entire big 10 is stronger for it. And so I think Lincoln could absolutely have a similar effect on the PAC 12. And I would, I would think great points by both of you. Um, and it led me to contemplating this move for my own while, while going with, with the program I chose, but, but Miami and Mario Cristobal is a very similar move as what Lincoln Riley re- represents to USC because Miami now has a chance to try and shut down its borders and dominate recruiting again at the U. And um, as good as talent is in California, the concentration per capita talent in South Florida is insane. And so you see, we talked on our podcast all the way back in September when the Clay Helton move happened that USC could be back in the playoff by 2022 with the right scenario. I think this scenario that Zach has so eloquently outlined is better than even any of us expected because of the way that Lincoln Riley already has done recruiting and has already uh, rated the transfer portal, getting the running back most recently from Oregon, who's a really nice player, along with the high school kids and being very – maximized in his work in the transfer portal. So um, that's significant. I really like the Miami move, but I'm going with with Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame uh, because it ties into Brian Kelly to LSU. 
number one, when did people start leaving Notre Dame for anywhere, you know, let alone a job in the South when you've never coached in the South? When did Notre Dame decide that it was going to go name an assistant that had been there for one year as its young, charismatic head coach? But that's exactly what Notre Dame did. It did it in a hurry. Um, we've chronicled how that kind of unfolded at, at Notre Dame and the fact that, you know, Brian Kelly didn't ask for a counteroffer and Notre Dame didn't want to give a counteroffer to Brian Kelly. It was just time. Um, and now here, here Notre Dame is with Marcus Freeman. I think it's significant. I think that he wears the mantle for a lot of young coaches that got hired in this cycle. You can look at a Brim Vittables and a Dan Lanning and, and a Mike Elko and some more of these jobs. And, and right at the top of them, in my opinion, is Marcus Freeman. And it's about continuity. It's about what was already there. It's about the culture. Um, it's about how family unified that program was in a lot of ways because of Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese. And the fact that this is a mandate for Marcus Freeman to take it the next step that Brian Kelly did not. Brian Kelly was remarkably consistent in his winning, especially from 17 on. Um, but but the program's New Year's Six drought continues. The program's inability to win a college football playoff game continues. Um, all of that is Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese's charge to take it to the next step. Um, is Notre Dame going to give Marcus Freeman you know, a little bit more latitude with some academic things to get more guys in. We saw Marcus Freeman get Brandon Joseph, the All-American safety from Northwestern. That was really a big deal for Northwestern already, excuse me, for Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman already because Notre Dame just typically has only done graduate transfers. And so that was such a big deal. When you talk to people inside the program, that was such a significant moment, not for what he can do, on the field to help them replace Kyle Hamilton, who should be a top five pick in the draft, but also because of what it symbolized in terms of um, unity and commitment to getting things done, to modernizing Notre Dame football a little bit. And I think that um, there's no more visible brand than Notre Dame football in the sport. Um, and I think that what Marcus Freeman is doing and is charged with is elevating that brand into a more modern era. I would give some accolades to uh, Jack Swarbrick for the way he handled that situation. Like you said, sometimes it's, it just feels like it's time. Okay. Now let's, let's see what happens if we go with door number two. So Ryan's going to LSU and Swarbrick sits down with Tommy and Marcus talks through the package and says, this is what I want to do. I mean, he just with conviction, so this is how we're going to do it, guys. And they, they talked through the scenarios, how we work together, uh, how our messaging would be together on point. And they came out and they have executed that plan exactly. And, and they, they both spoke about some pieces they needed to change, some things that had gotten stale at Notre Dame. And they've executed that. And I've been very impressed with how they are aligned. You know, Sean Payton spoke about alignment yesterday with ownership and general management. And that's what I've seen thus far from Notre Dame. I was pretty impressed. Yeah. And again, I would just say that um, I think it's it's lifted up the alignment campus wide. Um, it's lifted up the alignment, not just in Notre Dame football, um, but in speaking with people on that campus that are heads of departments, but not heads of athletics departments. There's a unity there that just has not existed in a long time. And, and 
Uh, societally, we are going through a lot of changes right now and have been for a couple of years, and, and Notre Dame has tried to embrace that. And I think, again, that this is part of Notre Dame evolving and growing out of its uh, state old comfort zone and embracing more of modern college football, which means embracing more of recruiting um, not just selectively against the Alabamas and the Texas and the USC or, or Florida or Georgia, but Marcus Freeman represents that they want to do that day in and day out. And Marcus Freeman is doing that. Marcus Freeman is crisscrossing the country right now, um, visiting with recruits in a much more visible manner than what Notre Dame has ever done. And Marcus Freeman has already said very early on, might have been his introductory press conference, he has to be the face of recruiting. And, you know, I heard that out of a out of a Notre Dame head coach in a while. Um, and, and the things you said about Jack Swarbrick, I, I completely agree. He locked in. Matt Bayless, the strength and conditioning coach, to preserve what he called the best culture in all of college athletics. And then he locked in Tommy Reese. And again, Tommy Reese is going to be a head football coach. I think Tommy Reese could be a, a head NFL coach in the in the coming years. I think he could be an NFL offensive coordinator very, very soon. And so because of all of that, I think that, that Notre Dame is trying a little bit more of an experiment here and um, taking a huge risk, but also a huge opportunity to revive and refresh its program, so to speak. And, and that's why, to me, the, the Marcus Freeman hire is the most intriguing hire of the cycle. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, I mean, you, there's certainly an argument to be made that the Notre Dame job is the number one in college football, certainly the most visible. And here you have stodgy, old, conservative Notre Dame hiring a 35-year-old first-time head coach that had what 12 months of experience within the program that they didn't even know him 12, 14 months ago. I mean, it's certainly, it's very un Notre Dame. And so you got to respect that. And, you know, hearing uh, you guys lay it out, it, it kind of paints the picture that Notre Dame kind of puts their heads together, you know, and says, you know what guys, I think Brian Kelly was kind of uh, the problem here because everyone else is moving forward in this new direction and he's off on his own, but everyone else is like, you know what guys, Let's keep this moving and we'll get to the next level that we probably weren't going to reach under the previous leadership. Yeah. And I think to, for Notre Dame to get to the next level, it has to have a, a head coach that embraces wanting to be the face of recruiting. And, and Brian Kelly has a tremendous list of attributes, positive attributes as a head coach. But I don't think Brian Kelly would tell you, especially after some of those dance videos in the boot, that he's going to be the face of recruiting for any major college program. Um, that's part of where Marcus is most comfortable. Um, that's the buy-in that, that I'd seen a few practices uh, dating all the way back to the spring when I would watch him go and individually shake hands with players before practice. Not not just defensive players, not just scholarship players, literally working his way up and down the line, talking to all the players. And so um, I think there's just a, a little bit more of an authenticity that is organic within that program. Now, it's a tremendous charge to win at a similar level to Brian Kelly and then in the next few years to try and take that next step that Brian Kelly could not. So Brian Kelly won tremendously. Um, you can talk about a healthy program, and I do think Notre Dame is incredibly healthy right now, um, but ultimately it will be measured on how they do on the field in the coming years. I'm going to take a crack at, at sharing my thoughts on a different program, and I'll tell you, I think uh, Mike Bone, and his staff ran a very good search and obviously came up with Lincoln Riley, which is a home run. Uh, I think 
I just said, I think Swarbrick did a great job. When this all transpired, he sat down with his people. He sat down with his um, his leadership and his board. And he went to them and said, this is the right man. And this is how we're going to do it. I thought they did a great job. Another athletic director, I think, just did a wonderful job is Scott Strickland at Florida. Scott, uh, going into the 2021 season, was not thinking about replacing Dan Mullen. The wheels just fell off there. And you used the term culture recently. And the culture was broken. The culture was lost. Dan Mullen is an outstanding X's and O's football coach. He's fantastic. For whatever reason, Florida program had gotten stale. The culture wasn't there. It had fallen apart. There were a lot of guys playing for me rather than playing for we. And you saw it on the field and the results, and it it broke. And Scott said, I got to make a change. He decided to make a change. And then he went and said, I'm going to go get the best possible football coach. And probably thinking at the same time, I need a culture guy. I need a guy who's going to come in and bring everybody on the same page. Because the the reach that they have to athletes as the University of Florida is darn near unparalleled. So if you get the culture right and everybody's bought in, you are going to win in a big, big, big way there. And I love the hire of Billy Napier. I think Napier does things the right way. He gets everybody on board. Um, his staff is, uh, okay, so hockey, you know, strength coach comes in. That's his guy. They're going to be fantastic from culture. Just like you talk about with Bayless at Notre Dame, he, he and Billy Napier are extremely on the same page. Hockey has the associate head coach title, which I love. Uh, obviously, you know, I think everybody knows Patrick Tony is kind of like Napier on the defensive side. Uh, Pete Tone's going to do a great job getting their defense to understand the scheme they're trying to play, play simple. Uh, he's going to lead that defense very well. On the offensive side, bringing Rob Sale, who he had great success with at Louisiana Lafayette, bringing him back from the NFL, where, you know, that it was time for that to happen. I like that move. I like giving Rob, you know, an associate uh, offensive line coach or assistant offensive line coach with Darnell coming from Louisiana. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I'll tell you, staff-wise, he's got some great guys in the staff. Jamar DeLuke, William Piegler, Sean Spencer, Corey Raymond. I mean, they're, they're loaded. I love them. The one that I find really interesting, the, the, the staff hire, is Jay Bateman coming down from North Carolina. Jay was the uh, – Defense coordinator in North Carolina, a lot of accolades. Jay's a very, very good football coach, done really well at Army. Uh, he is not in Napier's circle. And that's the one where I say, okay, if Jay comes in and gets on board and can give Tony some advice and be a really active hands-on coach and recruit well, that could be a huge plus. It's also, you know, you mentioned risk earlier. I think that's a little bit of a risk to the staff composition. But, and, you know, Napier had some other guys like Carl Scott lined up, you know, come down that, you know, for whatever reason that decided that didn't happen. So Jay's in a kind of an outside hire. Uh, Mike Peterson came down. Mike, Mike's going <laughs> to recruit daylights out of Florida. Mike's going to be fantastic. Uh, he's got some really good recruiters. So they're going to bring in the talent. He's got some guys that can coach him up very well. I think they're going to be fully aligned. Um, and there's upside. There's upside. There's upside. I think. And then Napier brought some just awesome talent in from the transfer portal. Some kids 
They played Louisiana and elsewhere, and they got a chance to be really special. Uh, they got to build them up a little bit. You know, Georgia was a machine this year, right? And now Georgia might lose a huge number. Georgia is losing a huge number of guys to the NFL. Uh, but Georgia's a machine. Georgia's going to reload. But Florida should be right there competing every single year for the SEC East. If you win the SEC East, you play in the championship, you got a great shot at the playoffs, win or lose, right? You just got to win the SEC East. You got to get to the SEC championship. And I love the hire. Yeah, I would um, I would say that, that Scott Strickland and company probably get the highest marks from me for sure for the way that they handled that beginning to end. He didn't want to fire Mullen. He quietly stood beside Mullen until he could no longer stand beside Mullen after the Missouri loss. Was very transparent that Sunday afternoon when he held a 35, 40-minute uh, Zoom press conference that we dialed into. And um, he said, look, I woke up and knew this morning that I had to go do this. And it's not a fun day for me, but I knew I had to go do it. Number one, that's leadership when you can admit that you don't want to go do something, but you wake up and you know you have to do it for the organic, better good of the organization. That's what Scott Strickland did. Then he identified Napier. Florida, as we all know, had all these coaches across the country that were interested in becoming the Gators' next head coach. But but Strickland had very quickly identified Napier and locked that thing down in really like 48 or 72 hours. It was very clear the direction of that search. It was very clear – they had prioritized and targeted Billy Napier and they were working to get it done and not leaving anything to chance. And so it was the most efficient. Now Napier has to go reward that efficiency by winning at Florida, but in terms of handling a search and going from firing the guy you didn't want to fire to finding the guy you believe to lead your program into its future was as streamlined and as seamless as you could possibly get from the university of Florida. Yeah, football is a uh, very complicated game that's also a very simple game. It's push the other guy out of the way and put the ball across the goal line. And uh, I think football coaching searches can sometimes mirror the game itself and that, you know, we can, uh, you know, study this thing and turn it into rocket science if we want. But at the same time, uh, Florida went out and hired a 42-year-old head coach who's 33-5 and in his last three seasons. Uh, I mean, right there. That tells you, okay, yeah, they, they they did pretty good. If you're looking at a group of five head coaches uh, who can mirror that success over the last three seasons, I mean, you're probably talking about Luke Fickle, who they're moving to the Big 12, so it's arguable if he even fits that category. And then it's Billy Napier. I mean, he he won the Sun Belt West every year he was there. He won the conference this year, went 13-1. and won. And so it, it, it was a masterful move, but at the same time, it was a no-brainer. And so – you know, you look back at the the history of Florida's job, you know, since once Springer got there, once it goes good, when it's going good, they're a top three program in the country. And they are a national championship contender every single year. When it goes bad, we've seen it go bad. It goes bad fast. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think we all think it's going to be uh, more in that first category than the second underneath here. But we've never seen Florida – have to try to rebuild when Georgia is as good as it is right now. And uh, certainly there's opportunity in that Florida state's down, but uh, you know, the state of Florida has never been open for business and recruiting like it is right now. So that's going to be very interesting for me to follow is how well does he recruit to catch up with that machine in Athens? So a lot of people talk about cloak, um, 
coaching searches. Like there's gotta be some cloak and dagger dagger aspect to it. You know, everything's super secretive and all that stuff. Scott Strickland literally went to Lafayette, went to Billy Napier's house and spent hours and hours and hours at Billy's house with Billy's family. He, he was going to see, is this the right person that I want to be aligned with for the next 10 years and maybe for the rest of my career with, um, that's how you do it, guys. That's it. It's it's a relationship business. You go inside and you see what this person really cares about. You know what he does in the field. I mean, you've seen it. You've, you've spoken to other people, coaches, athletic directors, people in the game. You know what he does there. You just want to go and see, is this the right person? And if our if our hearts align, if what we care about align, I'm pulling the trigger. That's what Scott did. I'm very, very impressed. Things are great, Art. Great. Gentlemen, I appreciate your time today. Uh, Football Scoop Podcast. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Tell your friends. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, podcast has been growing awesomely. Uh, great guests coming up the next few months. Uh, great topics. We'll probably be rolling these out a couple times a week. Uh, always appreciate your feedback. Hit us up. I'm Scott at Football Scoop. JB uh, on Twitter. John D. Bryce one. Zach is uh, Zach Barnett. We're pretty easy to find, guys. I appreciate your time. Everybody have a great day.